You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are in a brand new series entitled Renew. Everybody say Renew. This is just a three-week series. It's actually an you know, explanation of how the gospel can actually impact our life issues. And I know that when you talk about the gospel, the gospel is good news. We're familiar with the gospel. We're familiar. We, we had a recent series on gospel demonstrated. But yeah, when you talk about the gospel, it's more than just us having salvation, but it's also about us being able to live out some issues of our lives. And so there are several issues that we're going to be dealing in the next uh, three weeks. Just for us, you know, for our, I guess, education or literature, okay, the, the word renew means uh, it's a verb to, to make like new, to restore freshness and vigor and perfection, to make new spiritually or to regenerate. But as you notice, um, there's a play of words here because it's not just one word, it's actually renew, okay? Recall on new. And it may also mean uh, regarding about newness or regarding new things. And so I believe that God is in the process, is in the business of making all of us new. Aren't you glad that you are no longer your old self, but you are being made new? You know, I thank the Lord that you know, the Bible even says that he who started a good work in us will be what? Faithful to finish it or to complete it. And so we are being renewed uh, day by day. We all deal with different and difficult situations in our life. And uh, whether it's life issues like rejection or you know, oppression or maybe sometimes uh, failure or shame or guilt, I think... We've all gone through those things, you know, whether you before Christianity or even after us being born again or being saved, we still have some issues of, uh, you know, rejection. How many of you have been rejected the moment that you are Christians, okay? You know, we experience whether persecution, we experience rejection from, you know, even from families and so on and so forth. So we're going to be looking at that. Uh, in a little while. So some of the life issues we want to talk about in the next three weeks are rejection and oppression and also failure and shame. Now, today we're going to be looking at this word rejection. Everybody say rejection. Now, maybe I want to ask, uh, you know, how many of us have experienced rejection? I believe that all of us, uh, if not most of us, have experienced rejection. When you say rejection, you're actually being refused. Entry, okay, or you know, maybe an example is refusal of entry in what a gated community in a village because uh, you do, you're not a member of that village, you don't have a sticker in your car, you, so you can't enter that village, or maybe you can't enter a, an office, uh, you are refused a uh, you know, an entrance, or maybe in a, an exclusive country club, okay, uh, how you wish you would be able to use your facility, but you are simply refused, okay, or maybe declined. Have you ever declined? Maybe you're applying for, a, I don't know, maybe a loan or a house loan or a, a, you know, a car loan. Or maybe you are paying your bills in the restaurant and then suddenly your card is not working. How I many of you know that is a little bit embarrassing, right? And that's a little bit of rejection. Even if you knew that your card is okay, but you know, if like, there's offline something and the waiter would come to you, Sir, do you have another card? With everybody hearing it out and it's, it's so embarrassing. Okay, so... Decline is another thing. Denied is another way of being rejected, right? Maybe you've applied, you know, like a visa or something like that, and you got denied. It's painful. 
it hurts, okay, uh, if you get denied uh, a visa that you're applying. And, you know, what they say is, you know, you're not in a capacity to, to, uh, to travel or something like that. Maybe another form of rejection is you're turned down. Maybe you're a guy courting a girl. Wala pa nga, hindi pa nga nakatawagan. Parang friend zone lang tayo. Something like that. Have you ever been rejected? At sakit naman nun, di ba? At least ladies, you know, those who are single, if, if you have a guy showing some interest, pagbigyan mo naman ng konti, maski na at least a few weeks or something like that. Okay, don't deny that person right away. It, it takes a lot of guts for, for men to at least show some courage to be able to express what they feel Towards, towards a lady, okay? Or maybe non-acceptance is another form of rejection, non-acceptance, okay? You're applying for a job and you simply were rejected because of, I don't know, qualifications. Maybe they're looking for a certain age or overage or one of the things that they say is you're overqualified. How many of you have heard of that, okay? In reality, they don't just want you. That's why they say you're overqualified. And so when you see this talk to the hand thing, it really hurts, you know. Uh, maybe you, you and your spouse are having a fight or a disagreement, and then maybe the wife will do that. It's, it hurts. Or maybe getting rejected or being left by a girlfriend. Finally, you've actually had the relationship, and then, you know, this girl said it's not working, and then she says, it's not you, it's me. What a good excuse, right? If you hear this statement, it's not you, it's me, guess what? It's definitely you, okay? <laughs> and so we all have this different kinds of rejection. Whether it's in the internet, whether it's about the color of our skin, whether it's about the school that you went to, whether it's about the social class that you are in, we have actually experienced certain forms of rejection. And, you know, the experience of rejection is so real that if it is prolonged and unchecked, it can actually lead to a lot of different emotional problems like insecurity, low self-esteem, or loneliness, or heightened sensitivity. Have you ever met someone who's super sensitive? Good morning. You know, because maybe he has been rejected in the past and maybe a small comment here or there will actually put up a wall and you know there's so much sensitivity there maybe sensitivity to further rejection maybe some people are aggressive because you know this is more like a defense mechanism to the rejection or maybe there are people who are also on the withdrawal track which is depression and so they're going through some deep hurts and issues and so how many of you can actually track and relate to what I'm talking about this afternoon? That, you know, somehow many of us, you know, have probably have gone through some sort of rejection. Whether it was you during your high school, you know, they're choosing between two teams, you know, they're choosing the players for each team. How many of you have been rejected? Okay, nag-apply ka ng basketball, you're trying out, and then none of the two teams chose you. It hurts talking about experience here, okay? I believe that the gospel in itself can actually address also such issues. We don't have to go through tons of self-help books how to feel accepted even when you're rejected because we know that there's only one who can actually address this void in our hearts and we know that it is God, amen. 
Jesus himself went through so much rejection and yet he was secure about his divinity and humanity. And I believe he's the only one who can plug in the holes in the void in our hearts. We're going to be looking at a story in the Gospels, a story about the Samaritan woman. So if you have your Bibles, let's all turn our Bibles to the book of John. It's the fourth Gospel of the New Testament, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 4, we'll be reading from verses 1 to verse 15. John chapter 4, 1 to 15. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about sixth hour, or in our time, it's about 12 noon, okay? The first hour being 6 a.m. A woman, verse 7, from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water. Everybody say spring of water. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. Say eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw Water. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the preaching of your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, once again, as we acknowledge you as our teacher and our guide. I pray that you would give all of us uh, encouragement, uh, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to once again uh, know who you are in our lives and your wonderful work in sanctifying us and in bringing healing to our damaged emotions, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you will give us victory, Lord God. As we talk about this area of rejection, I thank you, Lord God, that ultimately out of this, Lord God, you will be the one to bring wholeness upon your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to be focusing on um, the Samaritan woman. And uh, next week we're, we're going to be looking at the story of the demoniac as he is oppressed. Okay? And then uh, the week after that we'll be looking at Peter on how uh, Jesus also has restored him from his failures. But looking at this Gospel of John, this is one of the longest encounters of Christ ever recorded in the Gospel. John chapter 4. And somehow, it's almost like a whole chapter dedicated to his interaction with this woman at the well. Many of you have read this, heard about it, preached or at least familiar with this particular story. Now, the woman at the well story is actually the secondary story of this whole thing. The purpose of the writer, John the Apostle, is that, you know, that in every story that he would actually reveal who Jesus is as the Son of God. 
So he's just using this as a story to reveal who Jesus was. And so we find this purpose of the book as he's written the whole book of John in John chapter 20, verse 31. And it says here, can we all read this out loud? Ready? One, two, three. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Now, how many of you are called believers? You're believers. Okay? We're believers. We're Christians. You know, another name of Christian is a believer. We're believing that Jesus is the Son of God, and by believing in His name, we have eternal life. He took the time to use this particular story of the Samaritan woman and how he would be able to address the rejection that she has gone through. Now, this Samaritan woman is actually a very interesting character in the Bible. At first glance, you won't be able to discern or see, you know, is this woman really rejected? You know, how was she rejected, really? In verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, and this is John the Baptist, not John the Apostle, okay? His cousin. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. Now, this is the primary reason why Jesus had to leave that place. Just to give us perspective, they were actually in the southern part of Israel, so this is where the Judea part is. And in order for you to go to Galilee, you have to pass through Samaria. Now, the Jews have a colorful history with the Samaria because they don't like the Samaritans. Okay? So what a normal Jew would do, if you're going from Jerusalem to Galilee, you're going to cross the River Jordan, go on the east side, and then go up north, and you would actually not go through Samaria. Because the Samaritans are half-breed Jews. And somehow, uh, racially, they are, you know, almost like an, uh, they're looked look down by the Jews because about 700 uh, plus eight, uh, BC, uh, the Assyrian Empire basically overtook and conquered that northern part. And the, uh, the northern portion of, uh, of Israel, uh, they actually put some foreigners or Assyrians there and they started intermarrying with them and out came the Samaritan race, so to speak, okay? And so they're like uh, half-breed Jews and half-breed Assyrians, okay? So in other words, tisoy sila, okay? Mestizo, okay? We, we call our, you know, our, our race mestizo if you have intermarried with another race, okay? Pinoy with another race, okay? Yet for Jesus, it's interesting that he intentionally went through Samaria, was he in a hurry and he wanted to take a shortcut because how many of you know that the shortest distance between two points is what? It's a straight line. Okay, So you don't want to do a curve, you want to do a straight line. And so in verse 4 it says, and he had to pass through Samaria. You know, it's interesting that John put the word had to. He would have just, you know, written there, he passed through Samaria, okay, because the day was long and he wanted to do a shorter route. But somehow in verse 4, it seems like Jesus intentionally went through Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. How many of you, you have to do something? And when you have to do something, you really have to do it. How many of you have a deadline this week, for example? 
and you know, the boss is expecting the deadline, the papers on the table, you know, whatever, okay, uh, maybe Monday morning, okay? How many of you know that if you have to do it, you will really have to do it? It doesn't really matter if you will sleep or not, you will have to do it and you will submit that paper on your boss's desk Monday morning. Now, Jesus took it upon himself that he had to go through Samaria. Was it accidental? I don't think so. I think it was intentional. I think it was a divine appointment. For the Samaritan woman, it was a regular day. She was out there about to just, you know, get her regular supply of water. You know, uh, of course, she, the, the, if you read further, we didn't really have the time to read. If you read further, she has somebody with her in the house. And so it's probably her choice to go out there to the well of Jacob and get the water supply for the day. And so Jesus in verse 5, So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, now the, uh, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, how many of you know that Jesus also got tired after a long day's walk? Okay, so tired from his journey, he was sitting beside the well as it was about the sixth hour. Twelve noon. Why was it twelve noon during that time? But why is it that the woman came out twelve noon? Twelve noon for Israel is dead hot. Normally, they would do their chores early in the morning at dawn or at dusk. Okay, and so... It's interesting that this particular woman was going out of her way during the heat of the day to get water. A woman came from Samaria, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it? Now, he, she asked this very interesting question. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. How many of you know that there are several points of rejection or being an outcast from this particular statement only? So Jesus came to seek the rejected. And you know, how, how is it that this woman is rejected? Let's, let's just dig a little deeper into who she is and her character. You know, how Jesus broke every uh, rejection. But what are the areas of rejection? Number one, it's racial rejection. You know, she's a Samaritan and he was a Jew. Okay, and, you know, I explained to you already how Jews have treated the Samaritans. They're low-class, second-class citizens. They're, they're looked down upon and they're, you know, being persecuted. They don't want to have any dealings with Samaritans. If you're going to be maybe engaging in a business transaction, you'd rather make a business transaction with a Jew and never a Samaritan. That's how... You know, racially divided they are and rejected they are as a, uh, as a people. You know, uh, racial rejection starts when people take pride in their identity as a race, a nationality, as a province, as, a, you know, as an organization, maybe as a school. You know, how many of you can relate with this? You know, sometimes the Philippines, for example, though we are one nation, we're divided into 7,600, I don't know how many islands now, okay? It depends on low tide, high tide, right? Each province has their own dialect. And each one has their own peculiarity. And sometimes we experience, even in our own nation, some racial discrimination, even among us. People from Manila sometimes look down on other you know, people from the province. And they have a term, prom D. You know, and sometimes, you know, now it's been accepted, but you know, 
It used to be a derogatory term. How many of you know that even people from the province, they take pride from where they come from? You know, I visited several provinces already, and you know, the Philippines is so much beautiful if you go out there and visit, whether it's in Cebu, Bacolod, Ilo, Iloilo, uh, you know, Davao, you know. But they all have their differences, even with the people from Manila. That's just one example. How about schools, right? Let's not go to colors, okay? Whether you're from the maroon, the, the, I just saw about color, the blue or the green, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we feel that we are better than the rest. Is that real? Or is that just our own preferences? Okay, so sometimes we need to be very careful about this because, you know, we, we tend to look down on others and this can actually breed insecurity. Religious is another area of rejection for this, uh, for this woman. The Samaritans were sometimes hostile. Actually, the, the Jews were so familiar with the Torah, but the Samaritans, they couldn't care less. They say that you know, they have their own altar and they have their own, their own mountain where they can actually worship God, and it's called Mount Gerizim. While you know, the Jews have their temple in Jerusalem, and so they have differences in their religious uh, practice. They have their religious uh, rejection as well. You know, sometimes we tend to reject as well people from different religion. You know, it's also possible that even as Christians, we look down on other religion and sect and denomination, isn't it? But it's so interesting that Jesus didn't even ask this girl, are you practicing the Torah? Are you going to the temple? Are you worshiping the Lord? You know, what was your, you know, your, your background? He merely listened to her and he spoke about her need. Eventually, we will see that. Gender is also another issue. She was emphasizing that not only was she a Samaritan, but she is a woman. How is it that you are a Jew are talking to a woman from Samaria? So there's issues of gender here because in that particular culture, you don't just see publicly Jewish men talking to women if it's not within their family. So it's already a racial divide in a form of rejection. And sometimes women in that particular society, they're treated as almost like property. They don't have equal rights like the men. How is that applied to now? Sometimes even in our society here, you know, as men, we are rejected because the, the world may have a certain form of uh, worldly kind of a manhood. That he, you know, that they actually put a mold on us, you know. And if, for example, when I was like younger, you know, I would uh, hear these statements, you know, if you're a real man, you know, you would drink with us, or you would go out with us, or you would party, with, or you you would you basically you'd go sin with us. Or maybe for the women, you know, how is it that gender is, you know, women gender is rejected? That was the application there. Women now are being pressured to look a certain way. Dress a certain way. Weigh a certain way. You know, that if you are not as beautiful or as thin or as, I don't know, as, you know, as fit as the projected perfect woman, that you are somehow a second class. You know, how many of you know that these are different forms of rejection? And that's why, you know, we have so many things that we're going through right now, issues that we deal with, with our families, with our job, and at the same time, we have different other issues that hit us, 
because of what society is trying to project on us. So social is another way that this lady was rejected. The Samaritan woman went to the well at noon at the hottest time of the day. Why is that? Because she didn't want to socialize with people. Because maybe of the stigma that she had for people to judge her because of her current situation. Social rejection can either be active, like teasing or ridiculing or bullying. Have you ever heard of cyberbullying? You know, of people just putting things about you in the internet. How many of you know that that is also a form of rejection? Especially if it's not real. And I hope that we are not one of those or passive rejection. There's other way of rejection. Passive rejection is ignoring, excluding, or giving the person a silent treatment. Have you ever done that? The fear of rejection makes on withdrawal from crowds and choose isolation thinking that social interaction increases the risk to be rejected. So the effect of this is actually isolation. You isolate yourself from the crowd. Moral is another way that you can actually be rejected. And the, the way that she was rejected, she was considered an immoral woman at that because of her five husbands. In fact, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you said is true. So she's living on this particular stigma and Maybe the town has actually looked at her as an immoral kind of a woman because of her situation. Can you imagine, have you ever heard of a story of a lady who's been married five times and then now the person that she is with is not even her own husband? How many of us would actually think that at first glance, that is probably, definitely, somebody who's immoral? But do we really know the actual story? Have we actually looked into her situation why she had five husbands? We don't even know if the first husband died of a heart attack. The second husband got killed in a car crash. The third husband, you know, you know what I mean, got you know, gored by a mule. And the fifth husband was stabbed you know, as they were traveling from Samaria to whatever. And the fifth husband, because... He's, you know, I don't know, maybe the, the, the latest one because he's so scared to be a husband. <laughs> Let's just try it out first. I don't know. I don't know the situation. Many times, people are so fast in judging people and which causes so much rejection. And even without us finding out the story, she felt an outcast. How many of you know that these things are real? And I hope that as a church, that we would be the agents of healing that God can use. That we would be the people who would accept and not reject. That we would be the people who would be open-minded and open with open arms, accept people from different colors, different race, different uh, strata, different schools, different, you know, I don't know, whatever, different uh, economic background, different political colors even. It doesn't matter if you're red, blue, or yellow. We are going to be united. We have one God. Amen. And I believe that God wants His church. And Jesus wants to use His church as well as an agent of healing for them. How did Jesus broke every rejection? Social and gender. Jesus basically initiated a conversation with her. 
what was so out of the ordinary, Jesus considered it as ordinary. The disciples, when they came back after buying food, Jesus, you know, why are you talking to that woman? And so the woman left right away. But for Jesus, he took the time to talk to the woman without even being intimidating and without even judging the woman. He addressed the racial and religious issue by talking about, in verse 23, that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. We're going to look at that in a while. He asked the woman for a drink. Think about it for a moment. A Samaritan woman was considered by the Jews to be unclean. And yet Jesus was asking from a drink from the jar of a woman who was immoral, who was unreligious, and he was wanting to drink, and he wanted to make a point that the gospel and the love of God is for everybody. And that we're not here to judge, and we're not here to reject, and we're not here to be prejudiced about anyone, whether they're speaking the same English or Tagalog or Taglish or or whatever slang English, that they, or maybe, you know, Baroque English. I don't know. We have so many different categories like Jejimon, whatever, okay? It's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's kind of judging. Jesus addressed the moral rejection of that woman by actually not hinting on the relationship that she has at the moment. He knew for a fact because he knew everything. But he said, I want you to call your husband. He didn't say to her, I want you to call your living partner. I don't know how that is termed during that time. Jesus was open to discuss about her relationship at that time. And I believe the reason why sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors and gluttons and drunkards love Jesus so much is because Jesus has never rejected any one of them. People who are not like Jesus, interestingly, like Jesus. People who are in the total opposite of how Jesus lives. Jesus is righteous. Jesus is holy. Jesus never sinned. Jesus is the most compassionate person who walked on the face of the earth during that time. Yet, the sinners, the rejects, the prostitutes, those who are outcasts in society, those who were oppressed by the race or by society itself, they long to be with Christ. And Jesus actually went out to seek them out. And how many of you know that we are those people? We were broken. We were oppressed. We were rejected. We were judged. People have actually showed prejudice against us. And Jesus took the time to seek after us. In Romans chapter 3, the Bible says, There is no one righteous, not even one, no one who seeks the Lord. Yet the Bible says, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. You and I were lost. We're sinners. We're rejects. We're enemies of God. But while we were such sinners, He gave His life for us. Amen. Only Jesus can do this. And Jesus alone can satisfy. You know, Jesus is the one who took the time to seek out the lost people. He sought the woman. He sought the, the, the person who's been an outcast in society. And ultimately, he didn't just give her an assurance that you're going to be fine. But he gave her a promise. And he said, you know, only, you know, if you exchange what you have with this living water that I can give to you, all your needs 
will be met. And so Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was, saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? And he gave us the well and he drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone, everybody say everyone, as in everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And he's talking about eternal life. He's talking about something that can only satisfy our soul. He's talking about something, you know, we, we are always running about things. We're always running, you know, about stuff, business, you know, daily concerns, daily needs. But yet, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to us as well. The pagans run after these things. He's addressing the issue of our heart. And so the woman said to him, ultimately, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. The desire of the woman is ultimately to be well as also. Sometimes we look at this particular situation and Jesus is, it's interesting that Jesus asked for water from this woman. The God who created everything, the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ, the one who created all things, without him, nothing was created. He is, you know, he holds all things by the power of his word. And yet, he showed a little bit of his humanity to this woman. The reality is, he did not need anything from this woman. But he wanted something from this woman. And he wanted her to have wholeness. And he wanted her to have freedom. The reality is when God calls us, God does not want to take anything from us. God wants to pour out His grace upon us. Amen. And that's the reality of this beautiful exchange, this transaction. He's asking for a little water in exchange for what? The fountain of life. And if God asks for the water that we have, wouldn't we give the water that we have? How many of you know that the little that we have, when we transfer it to the hands of God, it becomes so much powerful. The finite becomes infinite. The limited becomes unlimited. And that's why Jesus is giving her a different perspective. You will thirst again if you drink this water. But I promise you, if you drink of this living water, you will never be thirsty again. I think it was Blaise Pascal who said that God made us to have a vacuum in our hearts that only God can fill. There's always a longing for us, for the Creator. There's always something that we are longing for, something bigger than us, something higher than us. And many times we try to find the things that can satisfy us through what? Through entertainment, through business, through making a lot of money, through whatever. Okay? We're just trying to fill ourselves with stuff. How many of you know that another million will not be able to satisfy you? Another new gadget will not be able to satisfy you. A new relationship, if you're single, a relationship from the opposite will not be able to satisfy us. Only God will be able to satisfy us. Amen. Especially if we have experienced so much rejection in the past, guess what? Only God can make us whole and only God can actually heal us. That's why Jesus, I believe, is asking for a divine exchange. Remember Isaiah chapter 62 verse 3, it says, And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of what? 
instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know, God takes us where we are broken, hurt, rejected, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever is in life that you have, give it to God and He'll replace it with something beautiful. Crown of beauty for our rejection. The oil of gladness for our pain. A garment of praise for our failures. If I may change those words. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a panning of the Lord for the display of His splendor. That's why he talked about worship. He talked about, you know, ultimately the issue here is the issue of the heart. I believe that, you know, when, when he was addressing the rejection problem of the woman, ultimately that rejection problem is not given to her by the people around her, but I believe it's a response of her heart towards her Creator. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's interesting that the way Jesus addressed the rejection of this woman is by inviting her to worship. And sometimes you feel like, how can I worship in my problem? How can I worship in this particular situation? How can I worship with this you know, you know, seemingly huge predicament that I'm in right now? My health, my finances, my relationships, my marriage, my children, it's all crushing upon me. But yes, that's exactly where God wants us to be in. In the midst of your pain, go and worship the Lord. Because the miracle of worship is not really that God is inviting us to worship, but that He accepts our worship just as we are, and He does not reject us. That's the beautiful picture of worship. And the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming he who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. It's so interesting to note the progression of the faith of this woman. First time they met at the well, about a few minutes earlier, she was addressing her as uh, him as, Sir, why do you come here? Sir, He was addressing him as, Sir. Later on in verse 19, she acknowledged that he was a prophet because he knew everything about her past. He knew knew everything about her current situation. And now she's talking about the Christ and the Messiah. You know, Nicodemus in chapter 3 took a while before he actually believed in Jesus. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He was someone from the upper middle class. He was so familiar with the Torah. He was asking, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, chapter 3, you must be born again. Yet in chapter 4, when Jesus was dealing with this woman who was not even thinking about him, she was not looking for Christ. She was not looking for the Messiah. It was Jesus who looked for her. But yet that short encounter 
she turned around and she immediately knew for a fact that the Messiah is here. Jesus reveals what is broken in us, not to condemn us, but ultimately to make us whole. And I believe that as we allow God to address different areas in our life, rejection, pains in the past, you know, maybe, you know, maybe some of them are still there. We don't even know. But it's the Holy Spirit who actually causes us to be whole. It's the Holy Spirit who actually causes us to be well. It's the Holy Spirit who allows us to go through situations in life and allow a situation, a, a relationship, a, a, an event to bring out hurts, traumas in the past. And He can actually provide healing so that we can actually be better. Not for our own sake, but ultimately to fulfill the mission of God in our lives. As I come to an end, the woman felt so much acceptance from Jesus that she left her water jar. She went there in the first place to get water. And you know what? She found something more valuable than the water jar. And she left the water jar, went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and they were coming to him. You know, because of the acceptance of Jesus, this Samaritan woman had a new perspective of who she was. She didn't mind anymore the rejection. She didn't mind anymore what people will talk about or say to her. All she knew was, there's somebody who loves me. There's somebody who accepts me. There's somebody who did not judge me. Somebody who knew my past and yet did not reject me. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed with them two more days. And I believe a revival came out from the brokenness of a woman. What is your story? What is your pain? How have you been broken in the past? You know, He will make all things new. He comes here to give us new life. He comes here to give us a new perspective. He comes here to give us a new purpose. Out of her broken story came a revival that blessed other people. Second Corinthians chapter five verse seven. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We were all rejected once, but Jesus reached out to us. 
He reconciled us, wiped away our forms of rejection. And with this new reconciliation that He made through our hearts, He also are giving us the ministry to reconcile others back to Him. Your story is powerful. How you've been rejected, it may be a minor rejection, it may be a major rejection, but it is nonetheless a powerful story once you give it to God. Amen. Can we just bow our heads right now as we pray? If you are going through such pain, maybe been broken in the past, you have been rejected, I don't know, maybe racially, maybe economically, maybe relationally, morally, I don't know what the judgment was. You know why, looking around, just lift your hands before the Lord and just say, Lord, yes, I pray for healing. Just lift it up before the Lord. If there's any rejection, I believe God's healing will come. He will turn your sorrows into dancing. He will give you an oil of gladness instead of a garment of despair. Father, I thank you that you will be the one to heal these people with your grace. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the one who created us in us a new heart. Lord, I thank you that you have never rejected us, that you've always accepted us, that you came to seek and to save that which is lost, and you also came to heal that which is broken and rejected. So even right now, we pray for healing. We pray that you would allow us to experience grace, allow us to experience your acceptance. As we worship you, Lord God, I thank you that you will make all things new upon your people, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. May your name be glorified. Use us in our story as a jumping point, Lord God, for us to share the good news of how much you love us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.